Welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. A couple years ago, a couple years ago, Amber, myself, and the kids were just walking on a beach in Florida. It was a great time. It was after dinner, and it was calm. It was peaceful. It was just, it was a good memory moment of us and the kids. But then all of a sudden, Amber goes, guys, it's almost getting dark. We have to get back to the stairs so we can get off the beach. And the kids and I look at each other. What do you mean it's almost getting dark? We have to get off the beach. And she said, guys, it's getting dark and the crabs are about to come out. We have to get off the beach. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, and um, we just look at her and we're like, Amber, what do you. What? Okay, not every beach is alike. But just so, just in case some people don't know, or once again, we have people watching from out of town. In the panhandle beaches, after it gets dark, there are these small crabs that come out at night. Like, just to make sure, you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you know, you be, you be, okay, okay, you know what I'm talking about. You see people every night, they go out and they get what? Their flashlights. And they begin to shine them on the ground. And I, I googled it later, and this is, I guess, technically called ghost crabbing. This is the word, they, ghost crabbing. They shine the lights on the beach after the crabs come out um, after dark. Well, I didn't know that these crabs scared Amber so much. See, I found out later that she was on like a weekend trip with some of her friends, and she had what she calls a traumatic experience with these crabs. See, not all beaches are the same. And Amber grew up near Myrtle Beach, so that's the beach that she knew growing up. And in Myrtle Beach, they don't have these killer ghost crabs that come out at night. So all this time that we've been to these beaches in Florida, I guess Amber didn't know what was under the surface. Amber didn't know what was hidden there. Amber didn't know what was previously now unknown. And everything changed the moment she saw the killer crabs come out. And so I'm thinking about this, and after that moment, I'm like, I guess the moors. Well, I guess all four moors will never be on the beach together again at night. Because once she found out Something was under the surface. Once she saw what the light just shine on, her life changed forever. The killer ghost craps. We've been talking about the uh, kind of light of the world and Jesus being that light during Christmas. And, and, and last week I talked about Christmas lights And I talked about how I love the Christmas season Where our streets and our homes go from dark and boring To bursting with light 
I love this time of year. And so last week, we looked at what happened when Jesus entered humanity. We, what, what story changed. And we looked at how he came into a dark and hurting world. This is the setting of the Christmas story as you and I know it. But as he came into the world, as he came into the darkness, what we see is that it doesn't have to be dark anymore because he was going to be the light that pushed the darkness away that is the story of jesus and he says not only we see in the christmas story we saw it in john chapter 8 where he's like listen if you'll follow me you don't have to live in darkness anymore because i want to be present i want to be there with you i want to speak into those hurting places and so this christmas season as i told you last week this Christmas season, the Christmas story, is a great reminder that he wants to be present in all of those places. We just have to invite him in. Because the theme this Christmas is when we invite this light in, the darkness always has to surrender. Now, that was last week. Now we move on to this week. We're going to continue this conversation of, of light. I want you to think about that story with Amber. I want that to be something that, as weird as it is, I want it to be in your brain today because I want you to think there's something powerful that happens when light shines in places that, were pre that was previously dark. What happens when light shines in places that were previously under the surface, that were previously covered up, that were previously maybe unknown to us, maybe places that we didn't want to invite Jesus in. And so where we're going today is we're going to go back to the Christmas story, and we're going to go back to what we breezed over last week. We're going to go Luke chapter 2, okay? So we're going to kind of go the, what we maybe think is the beginning of the Christmas story. Let me read it for you. In those days, in those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, so we know this part of the Christmas story, right? Like, we know... We know what's coming at Christmas time, but you know what I find? While I know what's coming at Christmas, while I have heard the Christmas story so much, while it's very familiar, I find still that God is able to speak specifics into my life that I need for that year. I find that even a familiar story can speak new ideas into my life and maybe challenge me in specific ways. I'm hoping this story does that for you. 
we know this story. You, you may know that King Herod, King Herod, while not mentioned in this part, he is mentioned in other parts, he is the king over the Judea region. And the census that was to be taken was taken for what purpose? Do you know? It's a simple one. It was all about money. That taxes needed to be taken or a census needed to be taken so they could plan on how much money they were going to take from the people. So Mary and Joseph, they head to Bethlehem. Now they're heading from the northern part of Israel and they're heading south. It's between 70 and 90 miles for a journey depending on how they went and and so they head and this is not an easy journey especially because mary is pregnant this is not an easy journey but there's two reasons that they had to do it they didn't have a choice the first one is because what king herod wants king herod gets or he just might kill you this is the type of person he was secondly by this time, Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was, who their baby was. By this time, they'd already had conversations with God. They'd have conversations with angels. They'd had this already. They knew. And they would have known the prophecies that came about the Messiah. They would have known, like in Micah chapter 5. You're probably aware of this. It says, But you, Bethlehem, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. King Herod had them come, or they would have been punished, and two, they knew what was about to take place. They had been spoken to. They needed to be there. So they take this four to five day journey. Now, upon arrival... There's one thing I'm sure they wanted. You've been on long trips before, right? Think of the longest road trip you've been on. Think of the longest flight you've been on. What is the one thing, the number one thing that you want in life in that moment? Just give me a bed. Just give me a place to lay down. Just give me a place to rest. Like this, long trips take things out of you. I think this is the scene that we've got. That, but the problem is, maybe you've had this before, is if you ever had a long trip and you get there and there's something wrong with the hotel when you arrived. The room isn't ready. There's something wrong with your booking. The worst thing that can happen to you is I've had this super long trip and I just want to lay down and they're like, can you just wait? Or maybe we don't have a place for you. This is what this is like. Now, every time I read scripture, I try to put myself in the seat of the people that are being spoken to or the writer that's writing it. And so I have to imagine in this moment, Mary, put yourself in that seat. Guys, this may be a little harder for you, but she's pregnant, right? She's pregnant. This journey, four to five days, 70 to 90 miles, you're riding an animal. Like, this is not a good experience. She is hurting. She's in pain. She just wants to rest. And I got to think, Joseph, what's he doing? Guys, maybe you've been, what do you, I just want to think, make things right for my wife. I just want to make things right for this person that I love. I just want to make things right. And he, he just wants this for her. Now, we don't know exactly how this moment went. There's a lot of theories, a lot of beliefs. But most people believe it's in this moment that they arrive to Bethlehem. They're there because they have family. 
They're there because they have lineage. They're there because they would know people, because that's why they're going there. They probably went to a family member's house. Most likely, that's where they're going. And a conversation happens in this moment where they realize there not, is not room for them the way they hoped it would be. There, there isn't room with the family. Now, this is a big deal because we know the circumstances. But this is a big deal because this culture is super family-oriented. This is a big deal because this culture is super hospitality-oriented. Why wouldn't they give a pregnant woman room in their house? As you read, one of the theories, one of the thoughts on this is maybe there were elderly people that had gotten there before them for the census. Maybe there were people there, specifically the elderly, that these may have been the only people that would not have been pushed out for a pregnant woman because they had a value system of who belonged and who got to go in here. And, and maybe if it had been a younger couple, maybe been a, a single person, it had been like, hey, we need to give this to a pregnant woman. But some scholars believe maybe it's because there's an elderly couple there and that's the only people that would take precedent over a pregnant woman. Now, we don't know exactly, but what we know is, in this moment, they didn't have room in the guest house, but they did have room somewhere else. They gave them a part of the house that they also owned. What they offered up is where the animals would stay. When we go to Israel, we just got back with a group of people. In a couple more years, we'll go again. One of the places we'll go, you'll see what it would have looked like of what they would have put baby Jesus in. What we see is that this, this manger would have been most likely built with concrete. It would have been a watering or feeding trough. Kind of looks like this. This is most likely what they would have put Jesus in. Now, I want you to understand something. We hear all this conversation at Christmas that there was no room in the inn. There's no room in the guest room in the house. And most of the time, what we get is this is a rejection of Jesus. A rejection of Mary and Joseph. I'm not convinced that's how this plays out. I don't think the family completely rejected Mary and Joseph. I don't think they're actually being rude to them in this moment. What I think happened is they gave them what they had left. They gave them what they had at their disposal. They gave them what they had available. They gave them this after they had already given away other parts of the home to other people. It wasn't a rejection, maybe, as much as this is all we have to give. And this is the moment where my brain goes, wait, is there something for me to think about here? 
This is the moment when I think of the story this way. I go, is there something applicable to my life that happens in this moment? And what you're going to have to determine is, is this applicable to your life? See, for so many people, well, let's not talk about people, let's talk about me. For so many, like myself, there comes a time in my life when I struggle to give complete ownership of my life back to Jesus. Maybe I could say it this way. There are times in my life when I don't give complete authority to Jesus. There are times in my life that I don't give every part of who I am. But let me be really clear. While that may be true, it is rare that I ever completely reject Jesus. It's rare that I completely reject him as a person and what he wants for my life. But there is a temptation where I just let him see parts, or, or could I say, there's a temptation in my life to not give total, complete access to everything. There is a temptation, while well, not to completely reject, there is a temptation to maybe cover up some things that I don't want him to see, maybe I'm embarrassed of, Maybe try to keep things under the surface. I invite Jesus into my life, but do I give my life in a completeness? Do I give everything? In my life, I will rarely completely reject Jesus. But I can live a life of selective rejection. I want you to think about this. I rarely reject Jesus completely, but I can live a life where I have selective rejection. Not complete rejection, but not complete openness. Not complete rejection, but not complete access. Jesus, you have an invitation to come in, but the invitation is for this area. Jesus, you have an invitation to come in, but it's for this part. Jesus, you have an invitation to come into my life, but I'm going to walk you through the areas that I want you to have access to, and there are going to be other closed doors. I can live my life that way, not complete rejection, but also not complete access. And you know how this works. This is kind of how I feel about sporting events or concerts maybe you've been to before. There's been times in my life, go to Alabama football games. I have a ticket, and I walk in. And I have access to what? The seat that is on that ticket. And I walk to that seat, and I, I, I have an invitation basically to the stadium. I have an in invitation to the seat, but that's all I have access to. But you know, there are other times... I have a ticket to get in, but I also have access to the skybox. But I only have access to the skybox in the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter pass. 
Then there are other times. I've got a ticket to get in, but I can go to the skybox any, uh, I can go for the whole game. I get to experience all the food, and I get to experience the, 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 the goodness of the skyboxes. You know, there are other times. I've been at the field, and I get in with my ticket, but then I have a lanyard that's put on. And I feel super special. And I walk in, and I get to go to the recruiting area. I get to eat their food. I get to experience the conversations that happen in there. Then I get to walk through the tunnel. I get to go out on the field, and I get to be near the players, and I get to flex up on them a little bit and show them that I belong to. But I, I look, and, I, and, and, and oh, this is access. I get to look up into the stands and see the lowly, pitiful ticket. No, I don't do that. <laughs> but there's other times. I've been walked into the stadium, and I can go on the field. I can go in the locker rooms. I can go in the broadcast booths. I can go in the zones. I can, I can go anywhere I want. And the question that I'm asked is, Scott, is there anything else you want to see? There's been times I've had complete access. There's been times I could go and do whatever I wanted. What I'm trying to help us see from the Christmas story today is that we can believe in Jesus, but, give, but only give him limited access to our lives. There is a possibility that we can believe and invite Jesus into our lives, but give him limited access to our lives. And the reason is, is because we've given parts of our lives to other people or other things, and so Jesus can't have access to them. And so we go back to Bethlehem. And Jesus, the Messiah, is about to be born. The light of the world, we talked about last week, the light of the world is about to enter the earth. But the reception that Jesus gets is, hey, we're glad you're here on this earth. And we have a spot for you, but it needs to be over here. What if this Christmas story, this moment in Jesus' life, is supposed to show us that we invite Jesus in, that this is a theme, through, not just in that story, but the theme through the story of life, that you are welcome here, Jesus. But you don't get to choose which parts of the house you have access to. You don't get access to the parts of the house that maybe something or someone else has. Not complete rejection, but not complete access. Maybe not complete rejection, but maybe selective rejection. I can struggle with this. Is there any chance you have operated or are operating in your life like this right now? And let me tell you why this is so very important and why we need to grab a hold of this Christmas story. We need to evaluate how we are living every day. That this Christmas, we're leaning into the Christmas lights. 
We're leaning into that Jesus came into the dark world and he's, he, he's, he's shining his light into places that are hurting. He's shining his, his presence and his love into places where he wants to meet us because he loves us. But what if Jesus coming into this world, his presence coming in, is not just to meet us in places that we're hurting, but what if Jesus coming is meant to shine in places that need to be transformed? What if it's not just about, oh, you're hurting, I want to be with you. Maybe it's I want to shine a light because there's something that you need to see. It's like amber on the beach. It's like amber on the beach. There are things we don't see. And light needs to be shining on these places, areas that we need to see about our lives. And not only do we need to see them, but we need to give access to Jesus because these places are hurting us deeply. What if Jesus loves us so much he came to a dark and broken world but it isn't to shame us. It isn't to condemn us. But it's to heal us of those places of sin and brokenness that are destroying us. Maybe the greatest thing we need to have Jesus shine a light in whatever areas that we're blind to, we're co that are covered up, that we're trying to hide. Maybe the greatest gift that Jesus can bring is goes, hey, I'm bringing a light, and yes, I'm here to comfort you. But I'm also here to expose some places that are hurting, and you may not even know it. Or you don't think I know it, but I see these places. We use words at Christmas time like Emmanuel, peace, and hope. We use these words at Christmas time. And I'm wondering if this word Emmanuel, which is God being with us, I'm wondering if, if, if the purpose of Jesus shining, being the light of the world, is because there are places in our life where peace has been stolen. Maybe we are struggling with Places in our lives where our hope has been stolen. Maybe we're struggling with hope and peace, and maybe it's not just because life is hard. Maybe it's because we've made life hard on ourselves. We always look and say, man, my peace is struggling because life is tough, and look what's against me. Oh man, I've lost some hope because look at what life is doing to me right now. But what if Jesus comes in and goes, yes, that's true. But are there any decisions that you are making? And this is the reason you're losing your hope and peace. What if, what if our greatest level of peace comes when Jesus shines light into our life in the places that we are not aligned with him. 
What if our greatest level of peace comes from when not only we are shining, when he is shining the light into the places that we are not aligned with him, but also we are giving complete access for him to transform these places. What if? What if peace comes after? What if peace comes after we give Jesus complete access to our lives and let him change whatever he wants? We talk about Emmanuel. We talk about peace. But maybe we're looking for peace in the wrong place. And maybe Jesus coming in and shining a light and going, hey, this is the place that's hurting you. And if you give me complete access to not only be part of it, but to change whatever I want, maybe this is where peace is found. What if? What if? Emmanuel, God coming to be with us is for the purpose of showing areas in our life where we haven't completely surrendered to him. And maybe the purpose of that is to show us. Maybe he wants the whole house, not just part of it. What if this is a prevailing theme in the Christmas story? And maybe our deepest places of hope come when we have surrendered our life completely to Him. We want peace. We want hope. But maybe we're missing a piece of the story. Maybe we're looking at Jesus coming to just be our comforter when he wants to be the one that's exposing these broken places that he really wants to transform. There's a verse that I often go to in my life because King David um, in the Old Testament, it kind of speaks to this message, and maybe you've heard this before. Psalms 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Listen, we know the Christmas story, but what I'm hoping this year is that God uses the coming of Jesus as the light of the world, not only to be our comforter in love, but convict us with his love. What I'm wondering is this Christmas is that God wants to speak something deep into your soul. And last week we talked about your hurting. Let me love you. I'm going to be present in these places. And, and his presence brings a healing. His presence brings a comfort. But maybe also one of the lo most loving things that he can do is he can go, hey, listen. I think you're missing something. You're missing some peace and hope. It's not just because the world is against you. It's maybe you are against you and you don't even realize it. That you are hurting yourself. That you, there's something underneath that's stealing this from you. And if you would just give me access, if you would just give me authority to speak into these places, I can change a bunch of this level of peace that you're feeling.
I can bring hope to places where there was no hope. And it's not circumstance change, it's a you change. We don't let Jesus in all areas all the time. But I'm, what I'm kind of asking is maybe this Christmas we, we move past just having a ticket and it's going, I'm going to go to my seat. That kind of invitation. And instead you go, this place is yours. We, we, we hear about there's no room in the inn at Christmas and so it becomes kind of cliche we treat Jesus that way sometimes and Christmas is the perfect time for us to say is there an area that I've been trying to cover up will you shine your light on that so I can see what I've been missing because here's the beautiful thing about Christmas it reminds us that wherever the light shines it pushes back the darkness the darkness has to surrender to when Jesus goes, hey, I can change this. And I'm just wondering at Christmas, when it's the chaos and we get super distracted, if maybe Jesus has been speaking to you, hey, can I be part of that area of your house? This anger part, I'd like to be part of that. This sin over here, I'd like to be part of that. I'd kind of like to come in, and I'd like to have the whole house. Will you let me? This broken part of you, I can heal that too. Will you let me? And the funny thing is, I think we know we do this. I think we know we do this. And my prayer this week has been, God, will you convict me? in ways maybe I haven't felt convicted. God, will you open my eyes to places because I want your peace and I want your hope, but I need to be aligned with you and I need to just give you it all. You can believe in Jesus and still not give him complete access. You can be a believer of Jesus your whole life and be sitting in here and hearing the Christmas story for the 60th time in your life and still not give Jesus complete access. So Jesus, what I'm asking for you today is to open our eyes with your light to places that need to change not because you want to shame us, not because you want to condemn us, but because you want to love us with your conviction. Because you want to bring peace and hope in a way maybe we've never experienced. That Jesus maybe. Maybe there's some people in here watching and listening online that you've been trying to speak to them. You've been trying to show them an area of their life where it is broken and it is sinful, but we've been just trying to say, hey, let's go to this other room. Let's go to this other place. But Jesus, we want to be a place today 
that gives you complete access. We want to give you complete authority. God, we are yours. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.